Tim and Wayne. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. And this is Tim. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Paul Ponte. Happy birthday to you all. Thank you all. Thank you. I love my mama. (laughs) Thank you. Happy birthday, Paul. Today is actually your birthday. It's your real life birthday. It's not Paul's birthday observed. It is the actual fucking day. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> the wow, actual kind of pathetic day. you're spending the morning with us. Isn't it? Well, and and, and this is after going for a run. So uh, the birthday's off to a solid start. <laughs> Woo! You got to blow up the candles pretty quick. I'm pretty sure that's going to set off the fire alarm. Yeah. Well, Paul, Paul, you know, I, on your birthday, on your birthday, I want you I want to let you know what's happening right now today because you know it's your birthday and it is how the world pays tribute to the wonder of Paula Ponte. You guys have enjoyed the Texas blended whiskey that I brought to Mancon and to Fear the Con over the last several years. Well today uh, Firestone uh, uh, the, the Firestone Robertson Distillery which produces the Texas blended whiskey is releasing their first bottles of their Texas bourbon. So, you know, in in honor of Mr. Aponte. So there you go. See, I heard the glass clinking and I I thought he was about to tell you I'm drinking some right now. (laughs) (laughs) So I normally have to drink a little to deal with you clowns anyways. Let's just, you know, try to make it about Paul this week. (laughs) So, Aaron, are you uh, are you going to the distillery or are you waiting till it reaches your local uh, store? I am going to be out that way today, so I'm hoping that I can get in there and uh, and get me some. I'll so. take a case. Yes, I'm on it. Just, I'm on it. Just kick open yeah. the door. Mm. That's right. Yeah. Uh, just just roll the barrel to my car. I'll take all the bourbons. That's what I need them to do. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> all of them. All of the bourbons. So you can expect that, that a, a, at least a bottle will be joining us at ManCon this year. I like it. So, yeah, yeah. Well, in addition to all the bourbons, this week had all the trailers. Yeah, what the hell? Apparently. Well, Star Wars is coming out next week, so, uh, you know, we're going to be sitting in that theater for about 45 minutes watching all these trailers before the movie starts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by then, we'll have seen them all online already. That's right. That's right. So, Well, uh, that uh, Spider-Man Homecoming trailer just rocked my socks, Paul. It just really, rocked my socks. I got to be honest. I was I was kind of meh on it. Ooh. Really? Yeah. What's wrong with you, Paul? I just didn't. It didn't excite me. It just it, it doesn't seem. Uh, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed Tom Holland as Spider-Man in Civil War. Um, I enjoyed the scenes with Tony Stark. Outside of that, I didn't see enough differentiation between this and any other Spider-Man movie that I've seen already. Um, you know, what we're, is wrong with? And we've got the freaking Shocker, and we've got Vulture, so we're already jammed up with two villains. And I don't know. It just it didn't seem different enough from what we've already seen to to make me think that we're not go- that we're going to get a Spider-Man that's you know. Wow, I couldn't disagree more about it being different. And I didn't love all the Tony Stark parts of it. I mean, I like that he's going to be in it and he's a cameo, but it seems like it's too much. I want a Spider-Man movie, not a, you know, Junior Avenger movie. Well, but I, I, wanna, I, I would... want a Junior Avenger movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because, care. you know, I'm watching them and I'm like, oh, it's it's Batman and Robin, basically. Because um, that's that's kind of the, 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 the feel I got from it. Um, but, I mean, you, it, Robert Downey Jr. is basically like the Batman of the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because he, <laughs> they throw him in in the first issue of everything to get people to come see the movie now. Yeah. I don't have a problem with that. I do not have a problem with that one little bit. No, I'm co-signing. I got to tell you, I, 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 I would just watch Tony Stark be Tony Stark without the armor all day long. I, I'd really, really enjoy me some RDJ. So, see, uh, I like it, but I'm afraid it's going to take away from Spider-Man as... You know, being Spider-Man, I want him to be the real center and I want him to be capable. But, yeah, he's going to still be new and learning things. But I don't want Tony to give him all of his tech. Wow. Let me tell you, I, feel- I don't I don't care about that. I want to see five minutes of him making out with Aunt May, Marissa Tomei. Damn straight. I, yeah, uh, straight. <laughs> I thought the vulture looked looked pretty awesome. And I was I was happy to see that. And any excuse to see Michael Keaton. 
No I joke. I, I will yeah. agree Did with that. Did you ever think you would say the Vulture looked awesome? Ever? <laughs> no, I've always liked the Vulture no, as a villain. He's actually, been, he's been he's been pretty good. He's been a pretty good villain. I, I feel like what Wayne is saying is that less is more. But my philosophy is that, that if less is indeed more, how much more would more be? So <laughs> yeah, There are a lot that I really enjoyed about the trailer, and it does have me pumped. Uh, seeing Spider-Man in action, seeing the, the whole scene with the, uh, the robbers that are, have the Avengers masks on, that is Spider-Man, just making fun of them, jumping around. You know, the whole thing really felt Spider-Man to me. Uh, watching the some of the Peter Parker stuff, he's got the the Peter Parker, the nerd aspect down, too. Uh, I'm curious if the friend is going to end up being like Genki. It looks like Genki, doesn't it? And yeah, I, that, that like was, they're going to merge with uh, yeah. Miles Morales, Spider-Man's kind of background. I'm curious who the girl was that he was watching. That was, uh, they said her name. Um, that was uh, Liz Allen. Okay. Huh. I didn't hear him say it, so that's why I was kind of curious who the girl was, you know, that he would be pining over in this movie. I wonder if we'll get a Betty Brant. Still, t- I think it's too early for Betty Brant. I think, uh, I don't know that, I, I wonder if we're even going to get Jay Jonah. Like, it's still high yeah. school. Well, but, you know, in the comics, he was taking pictures in the high school. True, 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 yeah. Oh man, because Jay Jonah got all buff for his Justice League Dark movie. Like that's right. <laughs> yeah. I'm in, I'm in seeing that. Like, yeah. Parker, and he just breaks the desk. Like yes, <laughs> spider sense is tingling. Well, what's funny is uh, I'm I'm looking at online, and and Betty Brant is totally in the movie. So is she? I Good. take back my my former words. Your words are gone. My words are well, nonsense. I- I like that they're using some of the stuff that the other Spider-Man movies did not use. Yeah. You know, that, that you know, uh, I, I think that'll give a, a fresh aspect to it. I'm excited about it. I, I really, I never thought I'd say that I was looking forward to another Spider-Man movie again. I didn't uh, think I'd ever go to one in the theater again, but holy crap, I'm yeah. going to this. Damn straight. And uh, I, I don't know if last week you guys heard squealing, just, just, just <laughs> unrepentant squealing. But uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 trailer came out last week. Holy fuck, that looks awesome. It it it, it does look good. It does look good. Uh, oh, this sounds like a qualifier coming. It does look good, but uh, no, I no, no, good no. things. <laughs> I, no, no, no. Paul Ponte backslide. Today. Here it comes. <laughs> and, well, and here's the thing. We're about to get into three trailers that I, I thought very highly of. But for Guardians 2, I... Um, I just I'm I'm worried we're going to get retreads of the same jokes and I I'm I'm concerned you know like how much how much is too much of a good thing you know it, are you going to repeat everything that worked in the first one because it worked in the first one so let's get more of that like baby Groot like oh everyone loved baby Groot and it became a popular christmas item so let's just let's just have baby Groot in the sequel well well but I mean you only had baby Groot at the very, very end of that movie. So while, yes, there's been, you know, a great deal of merchandising on Baby Groot, you have not gotten to experience Baby Groot. Uh, so I, I'm actually a little relieved that they just don't have him automatically growing back to full size because that's what annoys me in the comics now. Because, you know, in the original run of, when I say the original run, the uh, Abnett and Lanning run of Guardians of the Galaxy where they first burned up Groot and so you got the Baby Groot, um, it took a while for him to get his size back. Whereas in the Bendis books, he's immediately back to full size. Um, yeah. So I'm wondering I, if it's I, going to be like, I want to see him kind of grow over the course of the movie, but I have a feeling he may grow to full size. Like there'll be a major scene and it'll happen. And he'll come to the rescue. Yeah. So but I want to see him gradually get bigger. So I'm curious if Vin Diesel voices baby Groot. <laughs> I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does. And it's just, you know, they put um, some type of special effects on the voice. Yeah. They run it through audacity and change the pitch. Yeah, exactly. I'm <laughs> sure how, they have that's more. That's how Marvel does their sound at. Yeah. <laughs> through audacity. Uh-huh. Yeah. Through, through freeware. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you got to cut costs where you can. That's right. That's right. I mean, you know, the, the, these movies don't uh, don't just make themselves. You, you have you have to do it on a budget, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, no I, I thought it was great. You know, I was curious as to what Mantis would look like. And so we got a glimpse of what Mantis looks like. I also love that she just seems like kind of a dork. 
Yeah. You know, and, and I and I love that. Because um, that remi- that feels like Mantis to me. It does feel like Mantis. Uh, anyway, so I, I, I'm down. I am so down for this movie. Oh, God, I can't wait. I can't wait. I was super excited. Super excited. Now, yeah, like Spider-Man, this is a movie I didn't need to be sold on. No, I already true. was no. excited. Agreed, agreed. Now, a movie I kind of did need to be sold on that did sell me in the trailer was The Mummy. I had no idea that Mr. Tom Cruise was going to be in this movie. Yes, sir. I had no, I mean, this, I knew that they were making a mummy. I knew that Universal was trying to build their cinematic universe based on their, their horror uh, properties, Mm -hmm. but no idea that, that Mr. Tom Cruise uh, was going to be in this film. So number one, I've got big Tom Cruise issues. You know, Tom Cruise does not sell me on films. Oh, really? He does Uh, for me. I, I, I enjoy some Tom Cruise movies, but I generally enjoy them despite him. You know, he has to kind of disappear into the movie. Like, for instance, I love Minority Report. Uh, I think that was a great movie. But I didn't see, I didn't go see that movie because of, of, of Tom. Uh, I saw that movie because everyone told me how good it was. Yeah. But but this looks really good. Uh, it looks really good. It looks like something really different. So I, 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 I love the uh that opening scene which you know looks like the 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 trailer that they give you almost looks like the first 10 minutes of the movie right yeah right uh with that plane scene and wow (laughs) yeah wow and so if you if if you've only seen the trailer they've also released um a short featurette um because apparently all that stuff was practical in the plane um you know practical effects they they actually went out in what's called a, a vomit rocket um, that yeah. they so they they were actually weightless. They're, I mean, so there are definite things that they they did to enhance that sequence, and um, I, it it's it's pretty freaking effective, I think. Yeah. Well, and and I understand that you know just like in the last Mission Impossible movie that Tom Cruise made, you know he he was actually on the side of that plane uh, when it was taking off mm-hmm. uh, in that Mission Impossible film. So yes. in this one, they actually tore the plane in half. And Tom Cruise was actually in there, you know, crashing with the plane and dying. That's <laughs> that is exactly what happened and resurrected uh, in real life, because that is the kind of actor Tom Cruise is. Well, the great god Zenu brought him back to life. So yep. master thespian. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, so in, in, so the mummy is the start of Universal Cinematic Universe. Um, and so it, it features a female mummy. It also features Russell Crowe as Dr. Henry Jekyll. Um, and future really films. I did not know that that was his role yes interesting okay and and you get that a lot more in the featurette so it definitely felt, watch it, the featurette it felt like in the trailer that he was just reprising Jor-El <laughs> <laughs> um, it'll also feature Javier Bardem as Frankenstein's monster and Johnny Depp as the invisible man I don't know that they will and be in of- this film but oh, they're okay. they're 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 leading up to a cinematic universe featuring all of these characters so Johnny oh, I forgot they were gonna do that so Johnny Depp's going to be the Invisible Man? Yes, sir. Huh. That's great. I don't have to look at him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. I completely <laughs> forgot they were doing trying to make a cinematic universe out of uh, all of these. So this mummy isn't anything to do with like the one that Brendan Fraser was in. Correct. Correct. Okay, now I'm interested because I thought this was just one more of that series and those weren't good. I loved those movies. Yeah, well, of I, course I, you I really like the first two. Moment. Yeah, the first two of those those uh, mummy movies were good. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot there was a third one. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, third well, one, yeah, not so the much. third one. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember the third one. Yeah, yeah. So Paul, you're gonna have to tell us about this Transformers trailer because yeah. I don't think any of the rest of us saw that. Oh, yeah, speaking hot. of series that suck. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm so you know I, I I've seen every Transformers film. I haven't, you know, it, it's it's a guilty pleasure, but you know, I would I would never call Transformers a good film, any of the Transformers good movies. Um, but the new one actually looks really damn good. Um, you know, features Anthony Hopkins, uh, Marky Mark, Josh Duhamel, um, like a whole bunch of people. Um, I mean, it's Michael. It's also directed by Michael Bay. It's called The Last Night. Seems to have something to do with. Uh, you know, the the trailer features uh, things from medieval times, 
uh, as well as World War II. So I, it might, I guess, tr show Transformers through the ages and how they've influenced history, maybe. Um, but I mean, I, I, I gotta say that, but I, I feel the same way about all their trailers. Michael Bay can cut a freaking trailer. And uh, the trailer is awesome for Transformers The Last Night. And I'm surprised I'm the only one on the podcast who, who likes the uh, the Transformers movies. I guess I'm not surprised, but... So, Paul, as a glimpse be behind the curtain, <laughs> as I sit here, I have the box set for Transformers right next to me, the original cartoon. On my desk, I have an Optimus, a Rodimus Prime, a Rodimus, and Smokescreen, and probably about seven other Transformers. I am a huge fan of the original Transformers. I thought every one of those movies sucked ass. <laughs> it's I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Um, you know, they're, they're stupid. For me, they're stupid fun. Um, and, and I will say uh, the first three are hard for me to watch because I really have a Shia LaBeouf issue. <laughs> like, like a but hardcore Shia LaBeouf issue. But when Marky Mark shows up, you're good to go. I have a I have a Marky Mark issue as well, <laughs> um, but I was significantly drunk when I saw that Marky Mark one. Uh, uh, Paul's um, issue with Marky Mark is he just finds him so damn sexy. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> well, so I so in full disclosure, I, I typically get drunk before watching Transformers films, so I don't know that I've seen a single one coherent. And I don't, yeah. and I don't, you know, I, I'm sure that's enhanced my viewing pleasure of the films. I, I don't know that you can watch them sober. Um, because I'm, I'm sure they make even yeah. less sense. No, you can't watch them at all because you can't see what the hell's going on because you have an epileptic cameraman. <laughs> but I think the new one looks good. I'm going to see it, and it's going to suck, and I'm just putting that out there. But the trailer's pretty damn good. Um, but The Mummy, I think, um, was, was a better trailer. And my favorite trailer this week was War for the Planet of the Apes. Holy shit, that looks hot. Gah. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is another movie I didn't need to be sold on, because <laughs> you know I'm gonna see an apes movie in the theaters. That's a yeah. given. Yeah, but it does look so good. And I well, didn't know and Woody you... Harrelson was in it, and again, you know, I'm not the biggest Woody Harrelson fan, but he looks kind of badass in this film. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And you know, when I was watching it, don't get me wrong, I, I love the trailer. I am, I am like Wayne. I am so down for this movie. But when I saw Woody Harrelson's in it, I'm like, what if it was Woody Harrelson from Cheers? You know, <laughs> you know, you know, idiot bartender, you know, Woody from Cheers, uh, you know, fighting uh, Caesar, you know, fighting the apes. That's the one I want to see. <laughs> You know, where he's where he's all of his successes against the apes are just because he's an idiot. You know, he's confounding the apes. That's what I want to see. Yeah, you know, and then Norm, I want to see Norm as well. <laughs> oh, Norm's dead. Norm died a long time ago. <laughs> I mean, not in real life. Can't kill Norm <laughs> and, and Cliff and Cliff. We need to see Cliff too. Norm and Cliff and Woody. Did Norm die in real life? I don't think so. <laughs> Did any? No. I don't Can't know. Kill Norm. <laughs> Norm is if, timeless. If I were casting a movie and I had Woody in there, I would find a way to get Norm into the movie just as a cameo. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Yeah. It's like, why wouldn't you? You got to do that. And Frasier. You got to get Frasier in there. It really is sort of a, a whole Cheers reunion. <laughs> Except Ted Danson. Fuck that guy. Yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> you don't need Ted Danson. Ted Danson lifts right out. Yeah. <laughs> Stay on CSI, no. Ted Danson. <laughs> War for the Planet of the Apes looks so good. Yes. It just looks so hot. I mean, you know, full out war between man and apes and and God, it just it looks so super intense. It looks I, like the Planet of the Apes film that we've been. I mean, the first two have been fantastic. Yeah. But it looks like the Planet of the Apes film that we've been wanting. Right. Like they've been building to this and we're finally getting to see apes on horseback with guns and fighting uh -huh. humans yes oh we saw that in the last one too and it was awesome oh yeah we did yeah. see a little but they, they're, they're certainly more refined in this one they were a little still a little clumsy in the last one yeah but. they were still learning to shoot and ride and all but oh this looks so awesome yes yeah i'm wondering if they're going how many of these are going to do with caesar and kind of this era because i would love to see it kind of culminate in a future one with with taylor yeah, I do wonder, you know, at what point do they, um, you know, is is this leading up to that? Are we, like, what? where are we ultimately going to go with this series? Do they have an endgame in mind? I don't know. 
But I, I think it's just, they'll keep making them as long as they're popular, I guess. But. Yeah, I would milk this cow for as long as she's producing. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, <laughs> you know? I mean, it's doing better than I, even I expected because, I mean, it's Planet yeah. of the Apes. And don't get me wrong, we love it, but it kind of feels like a niche audience to me. But they, they do yeah. really yeah. well. So I think it helps that they're good films. So good. And Paul, next Friday... Star Wars Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Yes. Very excited for that. I'm seeing it Thursday evening. Um, I'm seeing it Friday morning. I got my reserved seats at the Dolby Cinema. Um, the, the Dolby. The Dolby. Um, very excited. I, you know, I thought about seeing it in IMAX, but then I was like, uh, you know, the, I, the they had like a special setup in the theater for the Dolby thing. And I actually like the Dolby more than the IMAX, I think. So I went with Dolby. What I, I know what IMAX is, uh, other than noise reduction, what's the Dolby setup? So the Dolby, I, 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 honestly, I think the quality is even better than IMAX. So the speaker system is like all encompassing. So whereas normal theaters, you know, have a couple of, have a number of speakers. I mean, the Dolby cinema is speakers everywhere to the point that, and, and, and under the seats, like, so to the point that the seats move, like vibrate with the sound. Um, mm. In addition to that, like, extru- like, um, extreme blacks so like when 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 the screen is black it is pitch black like 4k um quality digital projection um Mm. and on top of that big comfortable reclining seats um reserved seating so i don't have to show up an hour early to get a decent seat right in line so i'm i'm i went with it so there's a couple of theaters around here have been converted over to uh like dinner theaters mm-hmm. so you have uh like i've had already the five star where you can order things but they actually have good menus at these dinner ones and a full bar instead of just a few drinks that they'll bring you and they've redone all the seats in them the uh the theater that we all saw oh i don't remember what movie we saw after one of the fear of the cons uh, that one on olive has been converted into one of these dinner theaters oh nice and they are so it is really nice you sit down there's a really good menu to look at and order off of there's specialty drinks. There's, you know, a whole huge drink menu and you just kind of sit back and relax in these really comfortable seats. It's at this point, I want to sign seating in any movie that I go to. Cause it's just nice to be able to pick your seat ahead of time. I don't want to get there and get in line and be worried about where I'm going to sit. I want to know going in, this is where I'm sitting. Exactly. And that's, uh, you know, I've become spoiled with uh, reserve seating in that if a theater, we have a couple of theaters that haven't converted to reserve seating and I I pretty much never go to them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I just prefer the reserve seating uh, and and I'll pay the little bit of extra money just so I don't have to show up early on opening weekend. It, it, It makes it so that I'm more willing to go opening weekend to a film. Right. Well, you know, my wife has never seen a Star Wars film before. Oh. And uh, and so I, I said, hey, uh, I'm going to go see Star Wars Rogue One on Friday morning. Would you like to come with me? And she goes, oh, what all do I have to have seen to, to see this? I said, well, it's actually a prequel, so you don't actually have to have seen anything. And she's like, OK, yeah, I'll go. And so Suzanne is actually going to see a Star Wars movie with me. What? Wow. And it's, it's crazy crazy it's certainly a sign of the end times i'm sure i'm sure yeah (laughs) and my wife doesn't like any of them except she did enjoy uh the last one i thought you were gonna say the phantom menace no (laughs) (laughs) that's when you serve her with papers (laughs) yeah definitely no when she comes home with her jar jar t-shirt you say i'm sorry I, I can look past a lot of things, but not this. <laughs> but no, she enjoyed The Force Awakens, so I have no problem getting her to go to this one. I don't think I'm going. What? what? I I have no desire to see a prequel. None. Huh. Like, all you guys have been well, talking many, about excited. But, that's cool. Ain't my bag, man. Tim, many both and spies died to bring us this movie. That That's cool. Have a good time. And we might <laughs> actually get to see what a both of them is. Well, <laughs> so just putting it out there, the both and spies didn't die for this movie. They died for the plans for the second Death Star. Just putting that out there, not the first Death Star. <laughs> so you're saying that no both and spies died for this movie? Correct. No both and spies died for this movie. Huh? I'd kind of ch- maybe I don't see this movie after all. I mean, I've, if if there's not going to be some some killing, some both and spies, uh, huh? 
Yeah, I'm a little less interested. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for that heads up, Paul. I think I just saved some money. I think I'll just I'll just stay home and just <laughs> rewatch. The, yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna rewatch the Guardians trailer. That's what I'm gonna do on Friday. <laughs> I, I I'm I'm very much looking forward to the film, and I'm looking forward to chatting with you guys to see what you guys thought about it. Well, I'll be able to talk to you about the Guardians Volume Two trailer. So. <laughs> I'll have my director's commentary ready. <laughs> Sounds we'll good. go through it. We'll go through it scene by scene, frame by frame. Well, I'm sure your wife will be happy to rewatch Gilmore Girls when you, instead. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And again. <laughs> so let's since we're talking about Star Wars, let's talk about the big Star Wars comic release this week. Star- yeah, Doctor Afra number one. Yes. From- and so this. I'm sorry, Paul. I'm talking all over you. You go. I, I mean, I, no, you go, Paul. I want you to go. <laughs> well, all I was going to say, please is for, just go. I'm going. <laughs> uh, written by Kieran Gillen with art by um, Kev Walker and Salvador LaRocca. Dr. Afra features two stories, uh, one set in post Darth Vader, um, you know, post Kieran Gillen's Darth Vader series. And another one as a kind of a, a flashback into Doc, Dr. Afra's um, college days. So, Aaron. Uh, you know, I was a big fan of Dr. Afra. She was a character that we had uh, that was a supporting character in the Darth Vader book by Kieran Gillen and a really sort of the, you know, breakout star, as it were. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the challenges that you have in telling these in continuity stories is what can you do? What risks can you put the characters in? You know, you really can't do a whole lot when somebody's entire arc is on the film, such as Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker, etc. So what can you do? Well, what Kieran Gillen did is he brought in a whole nother supporting cast that I hate to say it, but it's true. We're much more interesting than the main characters. Yeah. So, you know, we get Dr. Afra, who is just amazing. And, you know, imagine in Star Wars uh, a, a, a much more morally ambiguous Indiana Jones that's mm-hmm. a lady, right? Because uh, that's exactly who she is. She is she is an, an, a scheming archaeologist who faked her doctoral credentials. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't belong in a museum. She's going to sell it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, so there's her. You've got the two murder droids, which, you know, are BT and triple zero. And I love the murder droids. Oh, yeah. And rounding out the plot is the the. Uh, the evil Wookiee whose name suddenly escapes me, but uh, yeah. Uh, and you know, who, who is their version of Chewbacca, but he's, he's a little nasty. He's a bounty hunter and is working with Dr. Afro. So you've got these, these great characters, all who came from the, the Darth Vader storyline. And by the way, I am certain that's going on sale this week. I think that all of the star Wars books will probably be on sale in comiXology to coincide with rogue one. Oh, yeah. Highly recommend picking up Kieran Gillen's Darth Vader run. If you can, mm-hmm. uh, cause that from beginning to end, that is a fantastic story. Uh, highly recommend it. But anyway, Dr. Afra. Um, generally speaking, I am not a fan of the four ninety nine price point. This book was worth it. So I, I, I agree and disagree. Uh oh, look out. You're, so you are a fan of the four ninety nine price point. I am not a fan of the four ninety nine price point. <laughs> and I do agree that it's worth it. I disagree with Marvel's choice to make this book four ninety nine. Oh no, completely agree with that. And it, this is the wrong format for this book. So hopefully this is just the first issue because if they're planning on charging $5 for every issue, just for us to have two stories, I would rather get a $3 one story book. No, I completely agree. And when you, when you, when, when you say $3, I mean the two ninety nine, which I know it won't be correct. Uh, but a three ninety nine price points a lot more, uh, acceptable than that four ninety nine. If if issue two is four ninety nine, I will say this: I probably won't pick it up. Same here. I'll wait for it to go on sale because the Star Wars books go on sale periodically, um, and I, I I hate to do that because I I'd rather support the book at, on New Comic Book Day, but you know Marvel is all about raping us with their four ninety nine books, 
and I'm sorry, for the most part, they're not worth it. Now, again, the quality was on the page. Yes. Uh, the the primary story and the backup story were both uh, fantastic uh, writing and beautifully drawn, both of them. Both of them high quality. Usually you get a good main story and a crappy backup story. That is not the case in this book. Loved it from beginning to end. Uh, highly enjoyable. The backup story actually has something to do with the primary story. It reveals something of her, you know, of Dr. Afra's secret origin. Uh, and I, I, I liked it, but again, on a, a new comic book day, when generally I'm, I'm buying other books than Marvel books, okay. uh, a four ninety nine book will stand out and I will put it back more often than not. Yeah. Same um, here. so, you know, the fact that this was doc, the fact that this was Dr. Afra, the fact that it was a relatively light week in comics meant that I was willing to spend that $5. But uh, on a crowded week, that would lift right out. Correct. And on top of that, um, you know, Dr. Afra. So you have a Star Wars book starring a brand new female character coming out the same week as a brand new Star Wars movie featuring a, a strong female lead. And you're charging five bucks for it. Yeah. Um, you know, for for what it's worth, I mean, this is an original character. People aren't inherently going to buy this book because it doesn't feature, you know, Darth Vader or Luke Skywalker or any of the main characters that we know on the cover. But, you know, you'll see strong female character. Hey, she's kind of dressed like Jin from the new Star Wars movie because she kind of is on the cover. Yeah. Um, but that $5 price point is not the right price point for new readers. Yeah. So I'll tell you guys, I looked at... Uh... So I looked at Comixology. I'm going down through it. I saw this book, and I'm like, a 5.99 Star Wars book. Who the hell is this character, and why do I care? And I didn't buy it. 4.99. Whatever the price point was, it wasn't 2.99. <laughs> That's the important part. No. And I guess the more important part was, like I said, one look, and I wondered, who the hell is this character? Why do they deserve a book? Well, and and not to spend too much time, you know, continuing to beat the dead horse of. Uh, of uh, Marvel's expensive books, I can live with a three ninety nine book right now. A four ninety nine book is is really uh, abusive to me. Yeah, I uh, I just I I'm, I'm having a hard time with that, and it just feels like Marvel goes, you know, we think this book will sell at whatever price point we put it at, so why not make more money as opposed to building an audience? Yeah, um, and I do think that's audience limiting. To your point, I think that you're it's not new reader friendly. I don't think that somebody goes. If I'm a mom and a dad, you know, uh, buying books for my kids, I don't know that I'm going to buy a $5 comic book for somebody. No. You know, I, I think my, my father would have had a really hard time with that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, uh, especially in the, in the modern age of digital comics, when you talk $4.99, you could buy this one book with a character that you may or may not know. Right. Or you could look at one of the multiple sales going on right now where you can get entire collections for 499. Yeah, where you can get a get a collection of like 300 pages or so for 499 499 versus what 32 pages. Yeah. Yeah, no. I, I hear you. I mean, your your comics are time, right? It, it's it's you're you're buying entertainment and you're buying a certain amount of time with that. Uh, and the the time is too fleeting for 5 bucks. It's yeah. just too fleeting. When you think that you can buy a DVD uh, you know, what is, uh, Tarzan I saw for seven ninety nine the other day, right? The, the movie that came out this summer. You can go out on Blu-ray. You can go buy that, that, that Tarzan Blu-ray for seven ninety nine, or you could spend $5 on a 32-page book. I mean, if you're, if you're thinking about time and entertainment, that's not a wise, a, a wise spend on your entertainment dollar. I just I think agree. they're pricing themselves out of the business. Well, and here's the thing. If DC has taught anybody anything they could have made more money by alternating between a present day dr afra issue one for 2.99 and a past uh, dr afra story in issue two for 2.99 made an extra dollar by producing two books instead of one and just alternated instead of having two stories in one issue because that's what they're doing with wonder woman and we're buying it yeah, like, no, we're not. <laughs> Aaron and I I'm are not, yeah, I'm not. I, I'll tell you right now, if it was just the current day Wonder Woman, I would have tried it. But the fact that they're doing that gimmick, that 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 no, they're not getting my money. I didn't like it with Hawkeye. I wanted my my Kate Hawkeye. I didn't want 
Clinton Barton Hawkeye. So I, I understand what you're saying, Paul. It, you know, it, to get two writers, get two artists and charge less might work. It, it might be a better idea than what they're doing. But I got to tell you, as a consumer, I don't like that gimmick. Really? Yeah, I don't either. I mean, Tim brought up Hawkeye. I only bought the Kate Bishop issues. I didn't buy the whole series. I only bought every other issue. I didn't buy. I didn't buy the whole series at the end just because I didn't care for for the poor release schedule. It had nothing to do with the, with uh, characters or content. Uh, but I'm loving what they're doing on Wonder Woman. Yeah, I so, mean, it's interesting yeah. hearing the other point of view because I mean, for what it's worth, I, I I would think the the opposing view would be well, just buy the issues you want to buy. Um, you know, just buy every other issue instead of buying the the you know the the flashback stuff, but. I, I don't know. I, it, it's interesting. But for me, I, I think Dr. Afra, and it may just be the first issue. But again, we've spoken about this like a million times, so I don't want to belabor the point. Right. First issue is not the time to make your book more money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. You know, 50th issue, 25th issue, fine. First issue, that's when you go cheaper, not I more. Agree. I agree. So, but it, it, we, we, you know, we talked about all that. Point is, it's still a damn good book. So uh, we, we went from damn good book to a book I, I wanted to throw out the door uh, in Superman number 12. <laughs> I hated Superman number 12 with everything I had, Paul. Everything I had, every part of my being. I, I thought Superman I was going to be the only one that disliked it. Because I have shit, a feeling Paul liked it. Oh, I hated this book. I hated it. I hated it. I hated it. Defend yourself, Paul. Well, why not Tim? Oh, wait. <laughs> I, I I didn't hate it. <laughs> I didn't hate it. Um, I did. I love it. No, is it my favorite issue? In fact, it's. I think it's actually probably my least favorite issue of the title. Um, you know, Pete Tomasi seems to really like, uh, you know, DC's Frankenstein character. I'm I'm genuinely generally not a fan. I like the idea of DC's Frankenstein character. I've just I've yet to see him used well. I did not. What was the his uh, special secret organization? Shade. Shade. Is that it? Yes. Uh, I, I, you know, I, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. no, you finish. Well, I was going to say, you know, it was in that period at the in at the beginning of uh, uh, the New Fifty Two, where every uh, hero had some sort of acronym, secret agency working with them, uh, and his was Shade. There were some there were some books in uh, uh, prior to Flashpoint, you know, in the old uh, DC universe that I liked him in, but since. Uh, New 52, I have not enjoyed this character. I don't feel like he is truly stuck. No, he, okay. he's so, so. Hellboy derivative, I feel. I I thoroughly enjoyed him in the Batman trying to bra- bring back Damian Wayne storyline. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, you're right. That was a good storyline when that, when uh, uh, Batman's just cutting him up. <laughs> Didn't, yeah. yeah no, no, no fucks given. Yeah. And so – when he showed up as as kind of a guest star in this book, I was thinking, okay, you know, I, I liked him in the last thing he guest starred in. I don't, I'm not going to buy a Frankenstein book, but, I, you know, I'll give it a try, and I didn't hate it. I uh, I, enj- I I don't know if New Superman's ever met this guy. No. Well, and I don't know. He seems very open to having a discussion for not having met this guy. That was my only like. I don't know if he wouldn't just start beating his ass, <laughs> like and continue, not like okay. Now let's have a discussion. Well, I mean, here's the thing: reading through this issue, this uh, Frankenstein. This is another one of those typical. There's no reason for these heroes to even be fighting each other. If this character would just freaking talk and tell him what he's doing there, but no, he's got to be stupid and just go ahead with the fight. I mean, it doesn't take long to explain what you're doing, but no, no, he's got to just go ahead and talk. Now, or, you know, go the, ahead and fight instead. The the person that you know Frankenstein's trying to you know kill at the end of the book is finally revealed not to be this woman that Lois knows, but actually some sort of thing called Krug. Uh, do we know who who what that is? Because it seems like a big reveal. Other than she's, you know, scary looking. Um, I think it's just revealed that she's scary looking. I don't believe it's a character that, at least not, okay, not one that I, I've been aware of. It felt the way it was revealed. It felt like it was somebody we were supposed to know. Right. And I was like, I don't, have a, I don't have a clue who you are, well, and really don't care. Yeah. <laughs> so I had two notes on this book. One 
is that I thought it kind of hilarious when uh, Lois runs over Superman with the hover car. Uh-huh. I, that Superman should have heard coming. That he should have heard coming, but it still cracked me up. Uh-huh. The other note I had on it is, why is Lois Lane looking for a job? Yeah, I didn't get that either because she's working at the Daily Planet. In fact, the editor's note says that in the book. Yeah. Um, and, and so why is she... Yeah, and, and so why is she looking for a job Look, at a it's local the, It's the holiday season. Everybody needs a little cash. <laughs> you know? Lois is a little strapped. You know, she got to yeah. put presents under the tree. Yeah, this is her side hustle. Like, come on. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, we'll just call it moonlighting. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I enjoyed uh, Frankenstein out in the, the dairy farmer's field. <laughs> like, I enjoyed that scene. <laughs> yeah, I did like the farmer shooting him. Yeah, you know, like, are, are we really doing this? And the farmer's like, yup. <laughs> I loved that farmer. I mean, that's one of the, there are only a few things I enjoyed in the book and that was one of them. So yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't hate this book. I, I'm going to get the next one. I, yeah. like I said, I, I like Frankenstein as a guest star. Yeah. I think he could be used better than he was in this one, but it's okay. <sighs> I'm willing to give it another try. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, I'm still into Superman, but I just I wow, it felt like a big detour on the story that we've been getting. Yes, I plan on buying the next issue and bitching about it as much as I did about this one. (laughs) So also from DC Comics this week, Aaron, you seem to have some concerns about Batman number 12. So I I don't know if it's just me. Okay. So I, I, I am willing to to grant that it might just be me. But the story that we're getting in the I Am Suicide uh, arc in the Batman book uh, seems a little disjointed in the way the story is being told. Uh, this is issue 12. In uh, issue 11 tells the story of Batman recruiting Catwoman uh, for this run against Bane. Um if I recall correctly, issue 10 has Batman storming the castle, getting captured by Bane and thrown in the hole, right? Yeah. And so the last two issues have really been what happened prior to that, right? Mm, no, I think this is – the last two issues have been what happens after that. After So in issue 11, he has broken out of the hole and this is and, – and he's basically been making his way towards Bane. I, I'm willing to accept that you might be right, but I don't think you are. Oh. Um, I think that they they both go in. You know, you see that scene where uh, in issue eleven, where they both go in, right? Mm-hmm. You know, she takes one tunnel, he takes the other. You've got Bronze Tiger and those two other characters whose names I really don't care about. Uh, they go in. They go in through the front door, whereas you know Catwoman and Batman are going through the pipes. And then issue twelve is him making it to Bane, Psycho Pirate, and Catwoman. But I think, I think, and I, I would have to re-download the book, but I think issue 10 is that confrontation already happening, Bane beating the shit out of him and throwing him in the hole. So I think the next issue is him in the hole. I think that's the story, Paul. And that's my problem with yeah. this book, uh, is that it's not clear. Uh, you know, it shouldn't take us, you know, <laughs> the two guys who, who are, this is not our, our first comic book we've ever read, trying to piece this, the continuity together. Um, and it's a you little, my, I, I think you know my problem work. with the story, Aaron, that it's a crossover. I was buying Batman when the, you know, when they first did this rebirth thing and I dropped it because I don't want to buy all the bat titles. Is suicide crossing over into other books? No. Isn't this one is not over into Suicide Squad. No, no, that's coming up. That's Justice League versus Suicide Squad. That comes, I think, in February. This <laughs> yeah, is I this is not that because okay. that could explain my my confusion if it is because I'm only buying the Batman books because <laughs> I thought it was actually going to cross over into Suicide Squad since they were in the book. No, it's but just either way, I mean, it's timing. There's one big bat crossover that got me out, and then it goes into Suicide Squad showing up. I so, it's not a good way to relaunch a Rebirth book. Well, I. I, this is just a, a long story arc as far as I can tell. And again, my concern is I think this will probably read just fine collected. Um, I think my problem is is reading it in single issue format. And I'm not going back and doing the homework going, OK, where were we last time? And let me tell you, 
the book isn't helping you with that. It's not telling you what's happened before. It's not telling you where you are. It's just, boom, starting you up. So that's my criticism in the manner in which the story is being told. However, let's talk about this book in that there are some beautiful fucking pages in this book. Oh, God. The, yes. oversh- the overshot of the castle is amazing. Is just amazing, and it's showing, uh, you know, and very sequentially showing Batman's progress, running across the rooftop, throwing the bat line out, and, and I mean, it's it's almost like Google Earth <laughs> kind of a shot. I mean, it is it is an amazing shot of Bane's fortress. Um, there are there are some some beautiful moments. I did feel. The narrative, the you know, the the narrative throughout the book is Batman's letter to Catwoman. You know, and ca- keep in mind that Catwoman's been in Arkham because she killed twenty three people, which seems a little out of character for Cat for Catwoman. But he, they only I convicted think, on twenty two, Aaron. <laughs> they, I feel like they have brought the Batwoman and Catwoman, Batwoman Batman and Catwoman relationship. A little out of Gotham, the TV show. Yes, um, that they, you know, he's calling her cat, and uh, I, that bothers me because I've never seen him do that before. Uh, some of the manner in which he is talking to her seems very out of character, and he acknowledges that in the letter, you know, because he's trying to have a very earnest conversation with her. Um, but you know, I. There are moments where I'm like, did Kevin Smith write this? And not because it's crass or poorly written, <laughs> but I, there are things that Batman is saying in this letter to Catwoman that I've heard Kevin Smith say. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm just like, this seems strange to me. Um, so while I thought that the, 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 the visual storytelling in the book was highly effective, um, and just gorgeous, despite the fact that I hate the new Batman costume. Can't stand the logo. Uh, the, the little yellow outline bothers the hell out of me. But uh, beyond that, I think the book is exquisitely drawn. It's the the textual narrative that I had trouble with in this book. So there you go, Paul. Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, uh, you know, I had read that, uh, I think... Bleeding Cool gave this like a dynamite review. They loved this issue. And then I read it. I'm like, other than the art, this is actually pretty mediocre, this issue. But the art is yeah. amazing. Uh, Mikhail yes, Janine, is. Michael Janin or whatever, I mean, just does a bang up job. So, yeah, no, it, it is awfully nice, though. I got to say there, there are times uh, there's an underwater sequence, right, with Batman and Batman swimming underwater with his cape. Seems a little ridiculous when we know that his cape is, you know, provide is dense enough to provide him some uh, body armor. <laughs> mm-hmm. Him swimming with his cape bothers me quite a bit. I, I, I'll be sure to make a note in future issues. <laughs> Could you? Could you please? Yeah. <laughs> Although Aaron's last complaint about swimming with Super Mario Brothers and how he got to throw fireballs. So, I mean. Yeah, take with the grain of salt is is swimming. uh, (laughs) Yeah, so I, I mean, I'm, I'm still in on Batman. I just, I find the the manner in which the story is being told uh, a little confusing, and just a little bit of help from the editor would have been welcome. Agreed. So let's talk about the biggest news this week, Aaron. Screw that Batman nonsense. Uh huh. Ben Riley's back. What? Right. Kind of, sort of. Kind of, sort of. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Wayne, explain. Okay, so everyone knows I'm a huge Ben Riley fan, so him being back should be something I'm excited about. But he is the guy wearing the jackal mask in the clone conspiracy storyline. So, and he, they even do deal with it. Peter says something along the lines of, uh, you know, I saw you turn to dust. And he's like, you only need a little bit of DNA to you know, to reborn birth. So he is yet another one of all of these clones that are out there. Uh-huh. Well, he's a clone to begin with. So I guess that's not as big of a deal as say the, uh, some of the others that have come back, but I don't know. I, I want to be excited about the idea of Ben Riley being back, but they've made him the villain of the storyline. And he's just a clone of a clone that will have to take a pill every day or he'll deteriorate and turn into a carrion. So I can't be excited about it because it's not really him coming back, even though he has memories all the way up to turning to dust. 
Well, I will say there, there, the, the rumor on the street is that there will be a new Scarlet Spider series written by Peter David with art by Mark Bagley. Ooh, Peter David, I'm down for that. And Bags, yeah, I'm down. The question is, will it be the Ben Riley one? Because this series also has Kane in it. And honestly, I would buy it either way. I do not know. I guess we will find out. Yeah, I want to be excited about it. I really do. But it's part of the whole clone thing. And he's he's just one more of all these clones. And his end goal right now is let's clone Uncle Ben. Mm. And somebody had to create him. So he can't be the one really behind all of this. He's just another pawn. All right. Uh, I'm just going to say it. We need to bug bomb the entire Spider-Verse. <laughs> I kind of feel like that's too, coming. Honestly. Too much. It's yeah. too much. It's ridiculous. I com- I completely agree, Tim. There's I, I, too many I have, spiders out there. I have my opinion on which, like, two I would keep. <laughs> but two. You get two. See, some, of, some of them I'm more accepting of than others. Like, I don't have a problem with Spider-Gwen because typically she's in a different universe and I don't read her book. No, that that one can go too. I did enjoy her appearance in uh, Clone Conspiracy number three where she's been undercover all this time and her and Peter are having a conversation. And uh, he's like, let's talk about this. You popping over to my universe all the time and not saying hi. That's And she makes some comment about it. And he's like, you have a standing lunch date. With Spider Woman, don't you think we talk? Mm. Two. <laughs> yeah. You get two. I'm it's guessing like... your two would be uh, Peter and Kane. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I'd I'd be okay with Miles Morales too, like because you guys really love him and he seemed more legitimate than all this other crap that I'm hearing about. If I had to limit my spiders at this point, I think they've ruined Miles when they brought him over to the regular universe. So I would be done with him as well. I really like the current Silk book. I thought the character in the regular in Amazing was not really a character, and she was horrible. But her book is really good. You know, I would defer to to people that have more of a a, a love for the for the what you know, it, like you, Wayne, have caught up caught has kept up with all of the of all of the crap. I'd be okay with you voting for two, and that'd be that'd be the end of it. But good God, come on. The clone of the clone trying to clone the dead uncle. I'm like, this is this is just dumb. <laughs> and I I'm sorry for calling out stupidity, especially when I'm about to talk about my my book in a minute. But yeah. I, so, <laughs> Comicsology right now has a sale though on the good Ben Riley books. The uh, it's the complete clone saga, the Ben Riley epic. Uh. Each of those trades are four ninety nine. So for $54, you can get the entire Scarlet <laughs> or the entire Ben Riley storyline. So for the price, Spider-Man. the price of one Marvel book, you can get to trade paperback. <laughs> yeah. yeah and that was my exact point. Yeah. That was my exact thought is $4.99 is the price of, you know, some of these brand new uh, books that come out and you can get an entire trade. So let me ask you a question, Wayne, about that. Cause I've got, uh, the complete clone saga epic, uh, the amazing Spider-Man books, uh, volumes one through five. Right. And then they did the, the other run, the complete Ben Riley epic, which is an additional six books. And this one is the Ben Riley epic. Right. So let me ask you this. The, the, I've got the, the original clone saga, the five volumes. I don't have the six volumes of the Ben Riley epic. Are they worth it? Do I jump in? Because I'm looking at that. That's going to be $30. Is it worth it? That depends on how much you like that storyline like Ben Riley. So, I, I love I love the, the original Clone Saga. I mean, I, I do. I love it. I, yeah. I, I, love the, I loved it. The so, difference here between the two is it seems like one starts right around the time when the other was ending. Because the complete Clone Saga covered a lot of the really – a lot of the clone stuff where they mm-hmm. were dealing with uh, who's the real one and all of that. The Ben Riley epic basically covers his time period as Spider-Man. There's on, only the first one has any Scarlet Spider at all. After that, they're all Ben as Spider-Man. Okay, okay, okay. Because right, I have all of these in physical copies. Right. Well, and I didn't read those in print. So while when I bought the digital copies of the Clone Saga, 
it was so that I could have it digitally versus my print books. Um, but I never read the Ben Riley books. So, okay. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to continue pondering. I, I have apparently until December 12th, which I guess is Monday. Yes, sir. Yeah. So, yeah, there are some really good stories in there and then there are some really horrible ones. His fight with Venom is really good, but then there's some really bad ones. (laughs) Okay. Good to know. All right, Tim. All right. You're going to talk to us about slapstick. (laughs) (laughs) The disdain in Aaron's voice is the reason I get up. You're going to talk to me about slapstick. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, apparently, I'm the only one on this podcast that remembers this from the '90s. And no, uh, no I recall slapstick. I just um, I loved that four issue miniseries. It's one of the miniseries that has moved with me th- three times. Like I keep it around because I enjoy it every time I read it. I honestly and, don't know what we're talking about. Okay, can you can you yes. can you update me? Okay, okay so um, slapstick. <laughs> In the in the, the the original in the original version was uh, a teenage kid who happened upon the the ability to turn into a Looney Tunes type clown. Okay, so he's indestructible. You know, he, he gets run over. He's flattened. He you know he blows himself up like by putting a thumb in his mouth. You know, that kind of stuff. And the writing on the original book was just fantastic. Like it was exactly what you'd want out of a story like that. It was ridiculous. It was amusing. It was sophomoric. I loved everything about it. Right. Making fun of other, uh, <laughs> out of other Marvel characters or making fun of the fact that he's a, a four foot tall clown with like, like like purple hair. It's just, it was everything I wanted at that time, right? Mm-hmm. And so I saw this on the shelf and I said, are you kidding me? I'm so in. <laughs> like, I need more of that. And I, I, I got to tell you, um, I, th- I think it I think it's definitely uh, um, it's definitely in line with what I remember about the, the old miniseries. And we've seen Slapstick before, like in cameos in you know, things like I think it was Avengers Initiative and stuff like that. Maybe he was in the some of those other books I don't read, um, but it's been very cameo. So this picks up with Steve. Steve's older and he's lost the ability to change back into normal Steve Harmon. He's just slapstick, the uh, four foot tall clown. <laughs> and so the first scene is him at dinner and hearing about the the brother-in-law how he got a promotion at it after he just tells this story about uh defeating these people trying to rob the the docks basically because he's security (laughs) it just it's just amusing um like i said the writing the writing is exactly on par with the the last book where it's you know the humor continues about being stuck as a clown right As, as a cartoon clown um he is just as violent as he was before I mean, to be fair, he hits people with a gigantic oversized mallet. So, so um, good things don't happen to their dental dental records. I love this book. I uh, I don't know if it's it all. It, I, I'm not sure if it just needs an audience like me that remembers the, the old book. But I I laughed out loud once or twice while reading this book, and that's exactly what I wanted. It's it's a it's a three ninety nine book, which is better than a four ninety nine book. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's that's what I could tell you about slapstick, Aaron. It's basically a Looney Tune in the Marvel universe, a huh. bloodthirsty, sophomoric jerk of a clown. I'm glad this book is there for you. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I've got some guilty pleasures. Like I, I may have pe- picked up the Great Lakes Avengers the last month or so. That might have <laughs> happened as well. And uh, I, I, I'll admit it, I, and I'm okay with that because See, I listen to your guys' list every week. But you know, my guilty pleasure generally uh, relates to the hobo I've got chained up in the basement. So. <laughs> I enjoy a good spider ham story, so I can't make any comment about slapstick. <laughs> I mean. 
I got to be fair. I thought Aaron was going to say my guilty pleasure is listening to Paul talk about his comic books. Every <laughs> so, yeah, that there it is. I'm getting the next one. I, uh, I would encourage anybody who wants that kind of uh, humor in a comic book to uh, take it up with me. But nobody on this podcast will. I think that's a fair assessment, Tim. Yeah, truth, truth. I figured Wayne would be in. Wayne, Wayne and I are sleepwalker buddies. I thought he'd be in. I mean, I do love sleepwalker, but this isn't sleepwalker. I know. It's the same era, though. So, all right. So, so uh, that, that fell on its face. So uh, <laughs> let's hear about another book that fell on its face, Aaron. I, you know, I, that, that would not be this one. Um, now, I, I think I'm the only guy on the uh, on the podcast who is current on the Uber series from Kieran Gillen. I think Paul reads it, but uh, he is not current. But uh, that's but I why to... I didn't get the one this week, yeah. even though it looked good, because I, I'm way behind. Um, Uber Invasion uh, is volume two of the Uber series from Kieran Gillen. And, you know, despite what the name might indicate, it is not about a ride-sharing service. Uh-huh. Rather... It is uh, set in the World War II era, in a World War II area in which Nazis discover technology allowing them to create superhumans. Uh, And so replacing uh, more traditional means of warfare on the battlefield, they have Superman-like entities uh, fighting the Allies. And it, of course, changes the course of the war. And... Volume one wrapped up uh, uh, Germany pretty much conquering Europe. And now the war is moving to uh, uh, America, you know, to the United States. And so volume one, uh, volume two, issue one, uh, titled Uber Invasion, opens up with really kind of a recap of what's happened. And it's uh, President Truman uh, talking to uh, his staff and, and just kind of getting an update, which really kind of updates the readers, particularly for those readers who have not uh, read Volume 1. Volume 1 is completely out there available digitally. You can buy it collected. Uh, you know, you can get it at, at your at your finer uh, comic book establishments, and it's available on Amazon. I highly recommend Volume 1. And if you have the ability, I recommend reading Volume 1 before jumping into Volume 2. However, if you don't want to, re- uh, to do that and you want to just pick up with The War in America – uh, this is a good jumping on point because uh, it does tell you everything you need to know and then sets the table w- for what's going to happen in the States. Uh, I I really appreciate this book, uh, not just because of the you know very visceral uh, sort of satisfaction you get out of seeing, you know, uh, bad guys with uh, super powered beings and the allies trying to race to to meet that challenge, but it's how seriously Kieran Gillen's taken it. There is nothing, I'll be very, very honest. There is nothing about fun in these books. He, he takes the devastation and the destruction very seriously. And it allows him in this kind of alternate history story to ask some questions, to explore some things, you know, like the war in Russia, the war in the Pacific, um, and now the war in the States. And I, I just got to tell you, this, this, these books are just amazing. And we have been waiting for volume two uh, for more than a year. Um, there was a Kickstarter over the summer to uh, to get some production funds. And I didn't get in on the Kickstarter, not because I didn't support the idea, but because everything that they were going to give me in the Kickstarter were things I already had. And they weren't doing a lot of, hey, we're going to give you you know a whole bunch of, of reward levels. It was, we're going to you know make digital copies available to you, that kind of thing. And uh, so I didn't get in on it, but certainly, you know, supported it in spirit. And I'm just so happy to see that volume two is here because uh, I, I, every, 
I asked Karen Gillan, uh, he and I tweet from time to time, <laughs> and I asked him, I said, when's the next one coming? And he says, oh, sometime in the fall. I'm not really sure on the release date. It was the last time I, I, I uh, t- tweeted at him. And uh, just so happy that it's here. I, I, I read this. It was the first book I read this week, and I read it cover to cover, went back and read it again. This is one of those books. Uh, we talk about back matter uh, from the from the writers and the creative team from time to time, and a lot of times we don't read it. Uh, I, I always read Kieran Gillen's back matter, whether it's Uber, whether it's uh, one of his Marvel books, if it's one of his image books, whatever Kieran Gillen's writing, if there if there is a conversation with the writer, I'm in it because he is so thoughtful uh, and he asks such great questions and you get to you get to to hear and learn how he uh, developed the story. And I'm fascinated by that. I'm fascinated by the craft and and how he shares that. So uh Big thumbs up on Uber Invasion number one. I cannot wait for issue number two. So, Aaron, I have a question in regards to this series. Yes. Um, yep. I know you said it's not about the transportation service, but do you think it's building up to that? Do you think it's a prequel of some sort? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I believe that it is. I think that ultimately the final chapter will be the arrival of, uh, of, of, of ride sharing. And I'm sure that, you know, they'll, 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 uh, there'll be a, a war between, you know, Uber and Lyft. Ooh, so, uh, I think Uber that's worse. I'm looking forward to that one. I think that's coming. It seems like a Kieran Gillen thing to do. It does. I, I gotta be honest. It must be hard to work out the rights to who's going to win between the two companies. <laughs> It's the crossover you demanded, Tim. It's the crossover you deserve. <laughs> that's that's more accurate than the first. <laughs> ah, so Paul? Yes, sir. Uh, what's coming out next week? I mean, I know we want to know what comes out next week, but Here really all we need to worry about is that Rogue One will be out in theaters Thursday evening, Friday morning. Go see it. Let us know your thoughts. And uh, we will talk to you guys next week. No, good. I want to know what's out next week. Oh, um, Detective Comics comes out. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> There'll be some books. There'll be some books. There'll be a couple of things. Yeah. yeah, some things. All right. Well, Paul, have a great birthday. Thank you, sir. Happy birthday. Thanks, gentlemen. Out. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.